Now, from the Mousecapade Studios, here are your hosts. Happy Friday, Mousecapades listeners. This is Kaylee, and I'm here with Joey, and we are glad you are joining us. This is episode 543, and you are listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. Today will be part two of our discussion on Marvel films and the MCU. But before we begin, we want to remind you that the Mousecapades podcast is part of the Your Story Travel Company. At Your Story Travel Company, we can plan a magical trip for you on any budget. We're going to pick up where we left off last week talking about these MCU films, getting into the newer ones. And we're going to start this week with Ant-Man, which came out in 2015. The title is pretty self-explanatory. It's like Spider-Man, but with an ant. But with an ant, exactly. Um, I had, I will say when they first released this superhero, which obviously they're all from Marvel Comics, but when they released that they were putting out a movie called Ant-Man, I did not have high hopes. I was I was kind of like, are we scratching the bottle of the bottom of the barrel here? But at the same time, people said that they were scratching the bottom of the barrel for Guardians of the Galaxy because there weren't too many comics for that. And we saw how well that did. So I guess they were, they just thought anything can do well, I guess. That's true. I think for sure they picked a good lead for it. Paul Rudd, what a guy. He is such a good character for this. It's just kind of the same way that Tom Holland fulfills Spider Man's character, where he's kind of dorky and like fits the characteristics of Spider Man. Paul Rudd fits Ant Man pretty well. I yeah, would say. Like, like he understands that like some situations are pretty serious, but at the same time, he just doesn't really doesn't really seem to show that. This movie is not up there in my favorites from Marvel movies, and I don't think I'd ever have to watch it again after I've seen it once. But I've seen Ant Man twice. I might watch it one other time in my life. But I'm not a huge fan of the Ant Man movie. But of all the Marvel characters, Ant Man is a character I really like him. He's he's just really funny to me. Yes, you're right. His his personality is more lively than a lot of the other characters. Up there kind of with Thor and Spider-Man just like kind of just says says what they're thinking. Yeah. Not always at the best times either, but that's where the comedic moments come in through the films. All right, moving on to Captain America Civil War from 2016. This movie didn't really feel like specifically a Captain America movie to me. It felt like an Avengers movie with heavy emphasis on Captain America storyline. I remember sitting through it and I was like, why are they just fighting each other? And you were like, hence the title, Civil War, which I knew was happening, but I just don't think I liked it when they were against each other as much as other films. Even though the action was really good, it was hard to sit through because... I'm like, you're supposed to be on the same team. Well, that's the whole point is that even though you're on the same team, it doesn't mean you're going to agree on everything and that can end up causing problems. I thought it was interesting. And when it come, when it came to picking sides, I didn't know, I still don't know which side I would have been on. So in this movie, it starts off with an action scene and there are some civilians that get, end up getting harmed due to a small mistake by someone on the team is what they've come to the general consensus as. But from what I understand, if she hadn't done anything the situation would have been just as bad off or worse but it's at this point they decide the government and all the world governments decide that it's gone on too long where this group of people that are enhanced is unsupervised they need to be supervised so they've got united nations to come up with like a rule book for them 
and about half the people on the team don't want to sign it because then they won't be able to go into places they need to if United Nations says they can't. I think it's very interesting both sides arguments but the characters in the movie don't make a very good argument for why they should sign but I think there are good arguments to be made why they should have signed and made it so that they could be supervised. Like I said earlier I think this movie is one of the most fun to watch in terms of action scenes because you have the Avengers fighting each other. So that's honestly just interesting to watch because in other movies, you're like, well, the Avengers are fighting and they kind of set it up and they might lose for a little while or they might lose for like a whole movie and then you don't know they're winning until again another movie comes out. But this one is interesting because it's they're fighting each other and you just don't know what's going to happen. But I don't think the storyline is as fun as some of the other ones. I think the storyline was very interesting. If you're not like closely paying attention, you can miss some minor stuff. Like there were some guys in Age of Ultron that made a comeback at the very beginning of this movie that ended up causing this whole chain of events. But it, it was just interesting to see everyone's point of view on this situation. And then at the, by the end of the movie, about half the team, they're hiding because they've been broken out of jail because they are officially criminals and possibly war criminals. The next movie in the franchise is Doctor Strange, which came out in 2016, played by Benedict Cumberbatch. They already had a handful of like iconic people playing these roles, and then they were like, let's just add this dude who is literally everybody's favorite. I don't know. I just think it's funny because you can say just about anything and people know who you're talking about. You could say, um, what's the name of that one Black Mirror movie? Yeah, you could say Bandersnatch Kumquat. People know who you're talking about. Yes. His la- yeah, his name can be morphed into so many things and people just still know who you're talking about. He's, that's, he's just that big. Like, I think it's that's just kind of how big his name is. I will say this movie is not at all what I thought it was going to be. It's so off the rails from all the other superhero origin stories where he's like, I'm going to go heal my body because I got into a car accident and I was all that. And a, a literal doctor, a really renowned surgeon... But now a, I'm crippled. He has a very similar energy to Tony Stark before he gets yeah, stuck in the like cave. Yeah, like very conceited, knows it, and knows he can get about anything he wants. But then circumstances are like, nope, you really can't. But it's just so strange how he's like, I'm going to go meet with mind benders, which is literally like what they are. It's kind of crazy. Like every other superpower is supposed to be like a very physical thing. Like the people that have the powers understand how like what's going on with them. But with Doctor Strange, it's just like, oh, yeah, got to get spiritual. And I can I can do a lot of things, but I don't know what all the things are that I can do. It's such an it's a trippy movie. It's a gray area superpower that he has. Like you said, like Hulk smash. Literally, that is his power. Yeah, he's like, that's it. But like with Doctor Strange, it's hard to know how powerful he is. I don't know if he knows what he can do, let alone if we know what he could like. Would would Doctor Strange be able to take on Hulk in a fight? Probably because he could just throw Hulk in a pocket dimension or something. You're right. I think the other thing about him is we'll talk about this in a later film that we will discuss. But it's when he looks into the future to to, to look at all possibilities. Mm-hmm. That's wild. To me, that's like the craziest thing he has done. That's not his power, though. Not necessarily, but he harnesses the ability to do that. I guess we're doing spoilers in the same episode, so you're going to get spoiled. It's the time stone. If you can use the time stone, I feel like if you have the time stone, you can do that. The spell he used just let him use the power when it was inside that little thing he's got it kept in. I'm just still impressed because like he had obviously his whole power is based around his mind Mm -hmm. and like how strong 
mentally and physically he can be using his mind. And I feel like not anybody who got the time stone could do that. Yeah. At least to the extent that he did in how quickly. I mean, that's the whole point of the time stone is like, it doesn't matter how long it takes you to do something. You're right. Moving on to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 from 2017. So this movie was a little bit odd for me. It's a little bit forgetful, but I remember that we get to meet Star-Lord's dad, which is Peter Quill's dad. Kurt Russell. Oh yeah, Kurt Russell. And he plays like a god, which means that Peter Quill is like half god and that they, he ends up having to kill his dad because his dad put a tumor in his mom because... His father loved his mom, but he was eternal and she was just going to die within like a very small portion of what is his perceived reality. So he just went ahead and killed her. So, yeah. And the whole point of him doing that was he was placing bits of himself in every planet so that he could literally overtake every planet and it would just literally the universe would be him. Yeah, was it, the goal. it was a very odd. And so movie. it's a very odd film. I don't think that the storyline's nearly as engaging as the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, but the characters you know and love are still in there. Nebula's character development is pretty heavy in this film. I feel like they kind of just don't have too much romance built between Peter and, Gamor- and Gamora. They don't. They kind of like that was a little lackluster in this film. There, what they had before, but it's not like nothing's built. Yes, but I think Nebula is the biggest character development story out of that movie. I don't even know if I would call her a main character in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. No, she's like almost there, but. And then in the second one, she she very much is a a main point in the movie. Yeah, and she's her whole character throughout the entire franchise is very much on the fence of good and evil and it's a very fine line she walks she just kind of hates everybody she does like and it's almost like she doesn't care which side they're on she's just like i hate people i can respect that spider-man homecoming this also came out in 2017 and i think it's safe to say it did much better than guardians of the galaxy 2 i I would think that would be something that you could i would agree with i think it's great because it introduced the third or fourth person to play spider-man so tom holland came on and joined the cast and the franchise for civil war but you really don't get to see a whole lot of him you kind of just see a brief showing of his personality and obviously that he's already interacted with tony stark and he's very much a kid which i appreciate tom holland taking on that role because i feel like in previous castings of spider-man you could just tell they were too much of an adult they didn't play the like dorky teenager i have no idea what i'm doing but i have these awesome superpowers kind of role so yeah tom holland definitely portrays the best he's the best at portraying the comic books spider-man directly onto the screen andrew garfield and toby mcguire they they both did very well in their spider-man movies but i will say that neither of them portrayed the comic book spider-man as well as tom holland does and i also think that the i think every character in this movie plays a good role it's not just like tom holland carrying the whole movie his best friend ned is a nerd and he's friends with him and that that carries that portion of the story and then zendaya comes on and she's fulfilling this role i really don't like the fact that they had zendaya in this movie and they just barely used her. like she was in like none of the scenes yeah she come she's very prominent in the second spider-man yeah. film but this one yeah it was very odd that they were like yeah zendaya and then she was hardly in it 
it was very strange. But I'm glad they brought. I'm glad that they actually had her in the second one a good amount. That's very true. And I think having this new villain for Spider-Man to try and figure out, he confides in his suit that he gives a name, and I just think the whole thing works. I don't think it's the most in-depth story, nor is the villain the best villain that you've ever seen in the Marvel films. But I think for Spider-Man's first kind of big showing of himself, it's It's another impressive. issue I have with the the newer Spider-Man movies is while Tom Holland does a very good job at portraying Spider-Man, the villains are not Spider-Man villains. They're, That's true. They're Iron Man villains that Spider-Man has to take on. And while I think the villains are very good, they're not for Spider-Man movies. And I hope that if they do make a third movie, which is... It's supposedly going to happen, but um, it's not confirmed that they do an actual Spider-Man villain, not just an Iron Man villain again. Moving on to one of my favorites in the MCU, Thor Ragnarok, also from 2017. And this Marvel movie rounded out 2017 pretty well for Marvel movies. Yeah, I would say it just kind of kept going up. It just kept getting better. Um, but this movie is definitely like, I think it has the highest rewatchability for me. Definitely. To be able to just keep watching it over and over just because the, the comedy in this film never stops. It's continuous. Unlike some of the other films where you have the comedic breaks... You have the one-liners, but this movie is pretty much every single line is a joke in some way. They pulled out and they pulled out some I love that they pull out big actors for just these tiny roles. Yeah, it makes it really fun. They pulled Jeff Goldblum into it. He was what I needed in this movie. He did an excellent job, like of fulfilling his role of being like this kind of crazy person, but like it fits so but, well. Like he also he's he's like he's mad with power, but he also like understands that he shouldn't abuse it more than he does, I guess. Because he abuses his power a lot, but at the same time, Thor interrupts him and his his helper's like, the stick? And he's like, no, we don't execute people for interrupting. It, Yeah, it's definitely like he's created this system where he has power and he definitely has the say that he could execute somebody, but he it's civilized enough that you still like him. Yeah. He's not... He's tolerable and he's hilarious. He's just a, a great... He's just... And also the comedy... Like, Jeff Goldblum is already going to be just inherently funny to have in a movie. Yes, exactly. And I think Loki and Thor's interactions in this movie are the funniest that you see in any some of, of the some movies. Some of the funniest. Is this the movie they do Get Help? Yes. I believe this is the movie where they do Get Help. This is definitely the movie where uh, Loki's iconic... I have been falling for 30 minutes. Yes. And that's just... Some of the some of the best parts of any of these movies. Yeah, and even from the beginning, Thor is making fun of Loki's outfit. And then Loki makes fun of Thor because he's got a fan club. It's just so sibling-like because they literally could be killing each other. But they're yeah. like, no, we're just brothers and we're going to tease each other. Also, this movie introduces Matt Damon to the MCU. So, yes, at least there's that. <laughs> he played he played Loki in the theater product in the Asgardian theater production of the story of Loki, which was very weird to see him in that role. But it was hilarious. And Thor was played by the third Hemsworth brother. Yeah, I didn't know that till you told me. Some of the listeners might not know that. But yeah, it's just some interesting little cameos by like completely unimportant characters. The beginning of 2018 for Marvel, they came out with Black Panther, which was a huge hit in theaters. I remember um, a lot of my friends went and saw it and it was a huge deal when it first came out. And I hope the listeners don't like throw things at me. But this was not my favorite film. It was really hard to get through for me. I think because I am very much a person that thinks 
if a movie is going to be like three hours long, important stuff better be happening at all times. But this storyline to me felt like it could have been condensed to two hours max. I think this movie was two hours long and it felt like three hours. I mean, I, I just really was like not having it with how long it was. Now, I will say I'll give the benefit of the doubt. This was when we were doing our movie marathon during quarantine and we were getting kind of to the really big lull where we had watched a ton already. Yeah. And it it definitely was hard for me. Just this movie was it's there was a lot of people that loved this movie, but there were just some few moments in there that I I, I watched it and like I kind of cringed. They they put a what are those joke in there because filming happened late 2016, maybe early 2017, I think. That was outdated by the time the movie came out. They called a guy a colonizer just because he was white, and then right before she called him that and made that assumption, he had just saved her best friend's life and risked his own life to do so. I don't know. I, I, again, I love the characters in this movie, but the movie, I I don't see myself going back to rewatch it. That's how I feel too, is the characters themselves are awesome. Like they're really good characters, but the storyline just didn't live up to it. And later when these characters come back in other movies, I love it. But mm -hmm. it's really hard in terms of this storyline because you kind of get the gist of Wakanda and then they kind of milk that for a long time. It kind of is like. unfortunate, too, because especially with Black Panther characters, we don't get to see them too much. We don't get too much screen time out of other than T'Challa in the other movies. Yeah, you're right. Because we get a little bit of his sister in Infinity War. And that's, I think, all I can remember. Yeah, you're right. But I really can't remember much else. And the bald lady. Her as well. I don't know her name. Michonne! I know she's, she's Michonne, Michonne in The, in Walking, the Walking Dead. Dead. But yes, that's forever what I will know her as. Yeah. Moving on to Avengers Infinity War in 2018. This movie for me was, it was pretty confusing because when I saw it, I think I had seen the original Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy 1. I think that was, I think that was it. I was, I was asking so many questions this, the, through this movie. I was so confused. This was the movie that I watched and I was like, I think I'm going to watch all the Marvel movies before this, the sequel to this movie comes out. And I'm kind of, I'm pretty glad I did because this was, this was interesting to me. But in this movie, this is where Thanos, the big villain, since the first Avengers movie has come out, his plan starts to come together and he has to get all the Infinity Stones to get rid of half of all life in the universe. This movie was infuriating. I like did not want to continue watching after this movie. And even now that I've like had months to cool off since we've watched this, when I look back, I was infuriated by the ending, but I think I was more infuriated because I was like, this whole movie, this whole movie could have been 10 minutes long because it was just like, we're going to stop him. And then at the end, they don't. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, it why? It wouldn't have been as big a deal. I understand, but I think it was just so frustrating. It was like, we started with him in power and he was almost there. And then they were like, no, we're regressing. We're going to get it back. And then it just loops back to him winning. Although I will say that they did definitely <laughs> lengthen out how long it would take to do this because they there's some continuity errors along in the MCU. If you go back to Guardians of the Galaxy, it took six of them to hold the Power Stone and not die. And Quill also happens to be a half god yeah so and that adds up because thanos is a titan so he probably would have the power to hold the power stone but i don't think that he could just hold it casually like i think it would have a little effect on him and like doctor strange in this movie holds the time stone in his hand and he's fine he's not like affected at all also in guardians of the galaxy what's his name ronan 
Yes. Can touch the power stone to the pl- to the surface of the planet, kill everyone on it instantly. Thanos doesn't do that. He he walks and individually kills everyone. It just yeah, like there this movie I appreciate it for what it is, but I cannot watch it because I am one of those people that just gets so affected by what is happening in movies which means it's good like if i'm affected that badly that means the movie's good but it's not something i would ever want to watch again because it's just infuriating no i'll rewatch any of the event the mainline avengers movies again I, i just like these too much there's just so many iconic scenes in it the next movie was also 2018 but not nearly as i would say as impactful nor as popular as Infinity War. Nope. This was Ant-Man and the Wasp, and Joey and I actually have never seen this. Except for the end credit scene. Yes, we watched the end credits because that was important and it tied into Endgame. Infinity War. So we went and watched the end credits, but that is all we know. So we are going to read the bio about this one. In the aftermath of Captain America's Civil War, Scott Lang grapples with the consequences of his choices as both a superhero and a father. As he struggles to rebalance his home life with his responsibilities as Ant-Man, he's confronted by Hope Van Dyne and Dr. Hank Pym with an urgent new mission. Scott must once again put on the suit and learn to fight alongside the Wasp as the team works together to uncover secrets from their past. You had said you were like, there's nothing super important besides the end credit scene yeah, they that introduced- pertains to the rest of the storyline. They introduced the Wasp, which they they already hinted at the fact that there was a Wasp in the first movie. And you, if you didn't pick up on the fact that his daughter was going to be the Wasp... Then surprise. That, surprise, now you know. But then somehow Michelle Pfeiffer comes out and is Hank Pym's wife, and she's not dead. She was in the quantum realm for however many years, and that's how she gets out. I don't know if you knew that, Kaylee. I did. I knew that. And there's another continuity error, because... When Ant-Man goes into the quantum realm, five years go by, and he believes it was five hours. So he comes out, to, in his experience, it's on the same day. But when she comes back out, she is as she's aged as much as she would have if she wasn't in the quantum realm. Very true. Wild. So, And then also they keep that giant ant as a pet. So I remember that at the end of the end credit scene, and it was nasty. Honey, I shrunk the kids? <laughs> yeah, except not as nice. Moving into Captain Marvel from 2019, here's another movie me and Kaylee did not sit through to watch, simply because we we tried. We got, I think, five, maybe ten minutes in, and we, we weren't hooked. So, And I knew that it wasn't hugely important to Endgame, as long as you knew she's really strong. And since we haven't seen this movie, I'm going to read you the description. After crashing an experimental aircraft, Air Force pilot Carol Danvers is discovered by the Kree and trained as a member of the elite Star Force military under the commander of her mentor, Jan Rog. Six years later, after escaping to Earth while under attack by the Skrulls, Danvers begins to discover there's more to her past. With help from S.H.I.E.L.D.'s agent Nick Fury, they set out to unravel the truth. The main takeaway from this movie for me was that Captain Marvel is extremely powerful, and that's pretty much all I needed to know. Going into Avengers Endgame from 2019, this is the big crossover movie since Infinity War was the start of the big crossover. Endgame is the finale of the big crossover that everyone's been waiting for for the past 10 years. We get to see how they're going to come back from this since everyone's just been snapped away by all the Infinity Stones. We find out Thanos has used the stones yet again to destroy them. So since they don't need him anymore, I guess Thor just in a moment of hate chops his head right off. And then five years go by and they've all, I guess all of them have either moved on or not. And they're still depressed by it. But that's another issue I have with this timeline is that after five years go by, the city looks like it's been abandoned, like just completely, like everyone died. 
but I think it is supposed to be true to what would happen if that were to happen because it's like half the world disappeared and it that's depressing so I'm sure it was because a lot of the world like started to give up and they were like well what are we supposed to do now I'm sure that some that there would have been a good amount of people that had gotten over it because it was a death true but that's hard to cope with yeah when you have people like Hawkeye who lost his whole family in that well we saw how he coped yeah and he so went you off have and people, became a samurai you have people who are coping like that in other different ways but it's just wild but I will say I could accept Infinity War more after I watched this. So I'm glad I didn't see Infinity War when it came out or I would have been infuriated for years. Like a year, a year, a year and a half. Yeah. I will say, you mentioned something about deaths and lots of people had died. I think Thanos' death and Loki's death, which Loki's happened in Infinity War, yeah. if I'm correct, they both seemed lackluster to me. Like these kinds of characters, you build up to a death. Now, Thanos just needed to die. So honestly, I was like, whatever way he dies, he which, just needs to be gone. Which death are we talking about? Loki's final death, no, no, supposedly. No, you're ta you, I'm talking about Thanos. Thanos is the chopped off head. Chopped off head one. Yes. Because he dies twice, remember? Yes. That one seemed very like... Abrupt. Abrupt, but it needed to happen. So I think... That was there for a reason because Thanos, they, he wasn't supposed to kill him yet. Yeah. Which makes sense, but Loki's death is the one, his second and final death is the one I that- it's his third. His third? Wow. Oh yeah, I, I lost track. I think something happened in Thor to the Dark World. Well, his most recent death is the one that I thought was just lackluster. Like, he died a good character like we all knew he was. He's just like mischievous. In a way though, I was mad. I was like, that he deserved a better death than that. I think that was kind of the whole point. It was to show off like, this is the first time we really get to see like Thanos not just sitting in a chair and- you see that it, he doesn't care. He's going to kill who he needs to kill to do what he he wants to do. Yeah. I think I was just really upset because I was like, what the heck? I will say that caught me off guard the first time I watched it because I hadn't seen most of the movies, but I'd seen Avengers and he was the main villain. Yeah. But also like not a complete bad person. So it was kind of off-putting to just see him killed like so instantly. Very true. And Avengers Endgame is where Robert Downey Jr.'s Marvel career ends. Yeah. Which is very sad. But his death is one that I could cope with because I was like, that was an epic death. I, I mean, can cope with it. I can cope with it, but it was also unnecessary because they were winning against Thanos' army. They, he didn't need to snap away Thanos' people. They were going to win that battle. Maybe so, but at the same time... They needed Robert Downey Jr. They, out of the Marvel Cinematic well, Universe. They, they justified it with Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange being like, he saw only one outcome where he they win. He didn't see one outcome. He saw a bunch of outcomes. Of all the outcomes he saw, he said that there was only one winning timeline. But if you think about it, there's an infinite number of things that you can do differently. So let's say that the timeline happens exactly how it does, like exactly how it would have happened, except Thor goes for the head the first time and they win. That would have been an end of game. That would have been it because there's no one to bring him back because anything he says to them after he looks at that time stone is part of the timelines he looked into. So I believe any of the timelines they won, he had to say that to them for them to win. It's a lot of inception. But yeah. It, I will say, long story short, I can cope with Robert Downey Jr.'s death. I don't think you handle it as well. I can cope with that. Well. I'm just mad but that they got rid of so many of my favorites in one movie. Very true. There are a lot. Iron liked. Man, gone. Gamora, gone. Possibly. Black Widow, gone, actually. Yeah, I think Gamora's death and Peter Quill letting Thanos get away, those are like the most infuriating portions of Infinity War. Peter Quill and Gamora? Gamora dies. 
Yeah. But then Peter Quill, they fi- he figures out that Gamora's dead, and then he's the reason they like lose their grip on Thanos well, because I mean, he's lost it. He told Gamora to go right, so whose fault is it really? <laughs> <laughs> Chris Pratt. I said to go right. All right, and we've come to the final and most recent movie in the franchise, Spider-Man Far From Home. It also came out in 2019. This is where Spider-Man returns. <laughs> If you're friends, fans, you'll get my Spider-Man reference. Not his name. But Tom Holland, really, it kicks up a notch here. I think this movie's way more interesting than the first Spider-Man movie. And the first one was pretty interesting. Yeah, and so it just goes up. Then you have Jake Gyllenhaal, where he's the bad guy, which is just wild. Which, again, another one of those villains that Kaylee called out real early. I did, and I think this one was the funniest, Wait, I don't think you... I did. I didn't say it out loud because I kept looking at him, and I was like, this dude is so charming. He has to be the bad guy. He looks like because like we got to the point in the bar where he like they where they like finally are like okay enough of this heavy foreshadowing we're just gonna out him when they're in the bar and you were like he's not wearing his helmet and there are people in that bar well i had said it because i was like he's the bad guy and you were like did you seriously not know and i said i did but i just didn't want it to be true (laughs) i was so sad because you because you had said you're like there are people in this bar i'm like yeah, <laughs> they're not wearing his helmet. He's not wearing his helmet. And that's something I wouldn't have believed because because Peter Parker wasn't wasn't wearing his Spider-Man uniform. I don't think he was wearing his he Spider-Man He was in uniform. his... He was just, he in his uniform just with the mask off? Yeah. What? So it became very prevalent in that scene. That doesn't seem like something Peter would have done. But Peter's also... I mean, it fulfills his like... He's smart, but no common sense. I think he very much would have known that. It's, it's just wild. And I think this one is full of action and never stops moving. Yeah, we finally get to see a lot of MJ and we get to see Peter coping with Tony's death and understanding that he's not going to be the replacement for Tony. And hopefully the end of Iron Man villains versus Spider-Man. True. I'm going to be very upset if they're like, well, Iron Man's dead, so we can just give him Iron Man villains. Yeah. I think MJ's role in this, I like her character development because she's not. And obviously, like there is the stereotypical heroine who's like, uh, help me. Like, I don't think that's a heroine. I mean, damsel. Even even heroines are like that more so than males are in superhero world. Now, MJ, yes, she's more of a damsel, but I like that Zendaya has developed this character that is very aware. Yeah. And she's very smart and she's put two and two together. I love the scene on the bridge where she's like, You're Spider Man, I know, right? And then he's like, No, no, no. And then he ends up finding out that finding out that Jake Gyllenhaal's the bad guy after he just gave away like all of Tony Stark's weapons to him and he's like I am Spider-Man she's like wait I was only like I was only like a third I was like 33% sure so like are you are you being real it's just I don't I think all of the dialogue is so natural mm-hmm. none of it seems forced which is really nice and speaking of forced and natural um I forgot to comment on this because since you were just talking about it since a lot of the heroines are sometimes kind of like dainty the forced powerful women moment in Avengers Endgame. It was just so cringy to me because they were because Peter says, how are you going to get through all that to Captain Marvel? (laughs) And then they go, oh, it's okay. She's not alone. And then they show like all the women in the MCU. And it felt very forced because there's a moment just like it in Infinity War that was very natural. It was Scarlet Witch saying uh, it was one of the henchmen of Thanos saying you're going to die alone to Scarlet Witch or Wanda. And then 
Michonne from Walking Dead came out and Black Widow came out and they said she's not alone. And that was a very powerful female power moment to me because it didn't feel forced. And then they did it in Endgame and they were just like, haha, look what we did. I liked all the women moments. I don't know. It was unnatural. Because like it was like they were bragging about it. And when you're bragging about it, it seems to me that you didn't do it because you think it fit. You did it because you thought people would give you credit for it. That's fair. And I think the scene could have existed in a more natural way, even like they could have had it. It just needed to be leading more into it. They were passing the stone like at first it was going to like a bunch of people. But then after a while, there were five people that they passed it between that were just women characters that they were showing. And that was very natural. And then they were like, don't worry, she's got us. And then they panned and it's all the women characters standing next to each other on the battlefield. It's like that would not have happened. Very true. But as you said earlier in the episode, supposedly there will be a third Spider-Man. I really hope the way this one ended that there is because it was hard because this is finally where we got to the end and we've caught up. And I was mad because I was like, well, now we can't watch. I don't know what's happening. But where like Jake Gyllenhaal pre-death says, bruh, this is who Spider-Man is. Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And announces it to the whole world. And so we just get, we have to wait and see how that pans out now. If it pans out. Very true. Make us wait years. I'm going to be very sad if they just don't make a third Spider-Man movie. And it just exists the way it is. Be like the Amazing Spider-Man, except this was a box office success and there'd be no reason for that, except for a Sony-Disney dispute. Oh, well that about wraps up all of our MCU discussion. We really hope you enjoyed it and maybe you got a little opinionated, you disagreed, agreed with us. No matter what it was, hopefully you enjoyed listening. And we would like to thank you for listening to us talk about this for the last two weeks and we hope you found it somewhat entertaining at least if you are interested in being a guest on our show or you have a question or a comment email us at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com or if you would like to book a trip or just want a free quote text us at 636-373-4497 or contact us at vicky v-i-c-k-i-e dot black at yourstorytravel.com you can check us out on our social media accounts yourstorytravel.com our Facebook page, The Mousecapades Podcast, and our Twitter account at Mousecapades Pod. Be sure to listen to Wednesday's show as we dish to the latest rumors and news. As always, thank you for listening to the number one podcast that entertains the space between your ears, The Mousecapades Podcast. Well, Joey, I think it's about that time. Pixie dust. And no capes. Have, Have a, a magical, magical day, day, my friends. friends.